I would just hate to see, you know, it because restaurants are open now, all of that help just sort of like dries up and it's, you're just back to like what it was when business was normal because it's still far from normal. Good morning. This is Epicenter NYC. We connect our communities to news, information, and each other. I'm Andrea Pineda Salgado. New York's restaurants were hit hard by the COVID-19 pandemic. Stay-at-home orders and capacity limits forced restaurants to adopt a business model entirely based on takeout and delivery. For most, the switch significantly reduced revenue and we began to see restaurants close their doors for good. So, the city decided to take action, starting the Open Restaurants program. The program encouraged establishments to set up outdoor dining. It turned out to be a lifeline for restaurants, especially before the vaccine was introduced. And now, there's talk that the Open Restaurants program might be here to stay. In late 2021, the City Planning Commission voted for an amendment to remove restrictions on outdoor dining. And if it passes, the Open Restaurants program would become permanent. But thus far, the proposal has been met with mixed reviews. Most restaurant owners have expressed their support. However, many couldn't embrace it wholeheartedly because the amended program would require the removal of all outdoor sheds, structures that have cost them thousands of dollars to build and maintain. And though many New York City residents welcomed outdoor dining as an emergency measure, some aren't thrilled by the idea that it might be here to stay. Today, I have a conversation with two restaurateurs, Dana Morrissey and Alfredo Anguera, both of whose businesses were saved by New York's Open Restaurants program. And later, I speak with an Upper East Side resident named Deborah, who explains that if outdoor dining remains in New York City, she might not be able to. Now, a quick message from our friends and sponsors at McKinsey & Company. Find out about the biggest ideas in business on McKinsey's Insights app, where you can listen to podcasts like our flagship show, The McKinsey Podcast. We're so not tuned in to the dynamic going on for the current employees. What matters to them most? Or watch our author talk series featuring law professor Dorothy A. Brown. 60% of Black college students don't graduate. And when I came across that statistic, I got so depressed and read lots of articles about, for example, The Next Normal, where you can learn about the coronavirus's latest impact on business. To hear, see, and read more, download McKinsey's Insights app now. Now, back to the show. Here's my conversation with Dana Morrissey. So my name is Dana Morrissey. I'm a, a co-owner of several businesses in Park Slope, uh, one of them being uh, Barcrudo, does your restaurant have outdoor dining? Uh, yes. So Barcrudo has outdoor dining. Uh, Chella does not. Oh, Chella has a couple of seats on the sidewalk, um, but we're in front of a bus stop. So there was no, there was really no way around, like, you know, if you were in front of a bus stop or you happen to be in front of a fire hydrant, those rules were pretty, were pretty strict. So Chella definitely suffered because of that. And we only were able to have uh, four tables outside, but Barcrudo was allowed to do roadway dining, you know, even in the, the dead of winter, we, 
<laughs> that outdoor dining section was uh, was pretty full. People sitting in the snow and, <laughs> and that. Did it help your business during the pandemic? Uh, for Barcrudo, it's the only reason our business is open. Our restaurant, it's an oyster bar and it's a seafood restaurant. So while we do some takeout business, the bulk of our business at Barcrudo was the outdoor dining section. I can tell you that before we had uh, the outdoor dining section, I mean, the difference in the difference in sales was astronomical. I mean, I really firmly believe that we would not be in business today had it not been for the roadway program and had it not been for outdoor dining. And what about now? How has outdoor dining been and how has it progressed over these past couple of months? Well, during the the holidays, for sure, we saw people dining outside. Our outside, our outdoor dining structure um, has hanging heat lanterns. So people would sit under those in their jackets and just enjoy their meal. And we had that snowstorm not too long ago. And I was... <laughs> I was waiting tables uh, during it for the restaurant and um, I was going in and out. We had like almost a full outdoor section in the middle of like that blizzard. (laughs) You know, I'm not sure if you were aware, but we were allowed to use propane heaters last season and we invested quite a lot of money in them. But since then they've been banned. So we really only have the roadway structure now as a means of people to dine outdoors with any form of heat. Managing electric heat, which is the only thing that's allowed right now, is pretty challenging on a sidewalk. So we pretty much took away all those tables and just have that roadway structure now with heat. What were your thoughts after the hearing? What did you learn? So I, uh, I hung in there for four hours. <laughs> uh, it's my understanding it went for almost nine hours. And I heard a lot of council members disparaging the program, which was disappointing to me. I wasn't, maybe I'm naive, I, I wasn't expecting that. One of the council members, and I apologize, I, I didn't write down names, but one, one gentleman declared that the pandemic is pretty much over, um, the emergency is over, and that there is absolutely no need for these sheds. The sheds were blamed for the rat problem in New York City. Uh, I repeatedly heard that over and over again, that's the source of, of rats, which I do disagree with. I heard, you know, a lot of them were talking about these outliers of like, oh, well, there's one shed in our community that, you know, it's just being used for storage. And so that was their sort of argument for disbanding the entire program. And we, I just heard the same things like over and over and over and over again. And, and I understand like community concerns, you know, when you do have an abandoned structure, it's, you know, it's an eyesore, it, it, it does look bad. But I, I do believe, especially in our neighborhood, that those are outliers. So many of us have invested, I mean, tens of thousands of dollars into these structures to make them to make them beautiful, to make them functional. Um, and I do think that the program has really allowed so many businesses in our area to stay open. And I know if the open restaurants were to happen, they would want the sheds to come down. What are your thoughts on that? So I, I heard that in, in the meeting and it honestly, it's just, it's very stressful to hear that. As I said, we have invested tons of thousands of dollars into the shed. I mean, we, we built the initial version and then we modified it multiple times to be compliant. It got 
broken down by a drunk driver. Insurance only covers so much. So we're still paying back that money for the, for the roadway structure. And that's the bulk of where people sit. Um, if that comes down, I mean, I, I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure what next season's going to look like. I don't know how to fortify the sidewalk dining to make it habitable in the winter months. Um, and we've seen again with Omicron that if another variant comes out, I mean, business, business is going to shut down for us indoors again. We lost I want to say our sales were down by about 75% in December and in January from the, from Omicron, um, our entire half, half of our holiday season got canceled. We had caterings, we had events, we had um, lots of reservations and that was all gone. Um, the reason why it wasn't 90% is because we had the roadway structure and because, you know, it's, it's a lot easier to control like climate and things like that in those roadway structures. I'm not sure that people would have sat in a sidewalk. Like Dana said, without the open restaurants program, she's almost certain she would have gone out of business. When I spoke to Alfredo Anguera, co-owner of the Bronx Draft House and Brixton Hops, he said the same thing. Uh, my name is Alfredo Angara, owner of, well, co-owner of Bronx Draft House, Bricks and Hops, Bodega Social, Bistro Gaetanos, mm. and uh, one of the principal owners of the Hospitality Group. And how long have you owned these businesses? How long have they been around? So we started with my partner and I. My partner was in the restaurant industry before me. I was uh, an attorney by trade, and then uh, I met my business partner. We've known each other for some years. He was opening up a place in Harlem, and I told him whenever you know he was doing something in the Bronx to let me know. It just so happened he was working on a project, and uh, the rest was history. We opened up in 2016. And do these businesses have outdoor dining? If so, when did it start? Uh, yes. So we did outdoor dining as soon as we were kind of getting the, you know, we were seeing everybody popping up with one and they, and the city gave us the, the green light. Our first one kind of figuring out how to do it cost us over $7,000 per deck. It was super expensive at the time. What do you think would have happened if you never opened up outdoor dining? There was no space indoors, right? Like first, nobody was allowed inside and people were allowed inside if they socially distanced and they had barriers. And then, you know, you had to check for vaccination status. And there were so many just changing and developing regulations. You know, we really were capped our capacity indoors. And most restaurants, they work on a map system where they understand how many seats they have, how many times they have to turn around those seats on any given day to generate a profit. When you cut that number in half, for example, because you have to socially distance, the math no longer works. You can't, you know, how do you expect to pay your labor costs stay the same, mind you? So my labor costs stay the same. My inventory costs stay the same. Everything stays the same except for my ability to generate revenue, which you've cut. And and again, and I'm not blaming the city or I'm not blaming the state. I, I understand they were doing what they needed to do for the health and safety of everyone. And that's first and foremost. Everyone be healthy and everyone be safe. And we understood that and we did our part. But if we didn't have the outdoor dining, there's no way we would have been able to sustain ourselves. Just on a, a basic math principle, it would have been impossible. In general, what are your thoughts on the city making outdoor dining permanent? I love it. 
uh, I think it is essential, especially right now. I think things are getting better for businesses, but they're not there yet. And this has allowed us, this has given us that lifeline. This has allowed us to continue to, to at least service customers. So as far as I'm concerned, I think it's it's a godsend. And if you live in northern, if you've been to other cities, if you've been to Paris, or you know you've been to other major metropolitan cities, this is something that is done in European nations and in our country. You know, the outdoor dining experience like that is nothing new. You go to these places, and the restaurants are extensions of the streets, and it kind of brings a new life to New York. And what about the community around you, like up in the Bronx? What do they think about making outdoor dining permanent? I haven't heard many objections uh, from people in my community, but I do understand how it can be problematic for a lot of people, a lot of residential people, mainly because it's new, right? So now you may live above a restaurant and now you have people who are right outside the window or, you know, not walking in and on sidewalks may become a little bit more difficult for some people. So I can see why some communities may not be as enthralled with it as businesses are. But where we're situated, we haven't had any objections. Mm-hmm. So right, we, we keep our ear to the ground and we try to be as, you know, work with the community as much as possible because somewhere there has to be a happy medium. Somewhere there has to be a medium where businesses and the city can continue to thrive and move forward and we can continue to provide these services for people and we can continue in the hospitality industry and residents are respected and their concerns are listened to. Even though restaurant owners like Alfredo couldn't have survived without outdoor dining, some residents are concerned about what exactly will happen if this temporary solution becomes a permanent one. And like you heard Alfredo explain, their concerns aren't without merit. Deborah Kaplan is one of those residents. She lives right above a restaurant and said her situation has gotten so bad that she's considered moving out. My name is Debbie Kaplan, and I live on the Upper East Side. So tell me a little bit more about your positions with open restaurants and making outdoor dining permanent. Well, I'm definitely against making outdoor dining permanent. Um, It's been an absolute nightmare for me and other people on my block, probably more than I know. You know, I only speak to so many people on my block. Nobody knows everybody on their block. It's, it's, (laughs) I I put up with it during COVID because I care about our, the economy in New York. And of course I love the restaurants, but my quality of life is now nil. I have no quality of life. The noises are unending from the restaurant itself or its patrons or its its constant beeping. Uh, It just causes so, so many problems on our street. Were there any incidents that happened within, you know, these past two years that influenced your position against outdoor dining? Uh, many, many things. It, it's, it starts early in the morning. They set up the tables. And so you hear the scraping of all these tables and chairs being moved. They're smoking cigarettes. Um, you know, it all comes up into our apartments. And, you know, it's New York City. The buildings are old. So the cigarette smells come into our apartments. And so, I mean, that's how it starts. And then the phones start ringing. And the people are, have the phones, instead of being indoors, you know, answering phone indoors, now there's people with cell phones standing outside who work for the restaurant who are answering all the phones all day. Um, and then the deliveries start. And then the traffic backs up. 
and then the people start showing up and it's the constant there's a lot of celebrations at this restaurant so i'm not against celebrations and singing happy birthday but when you hear it almost every single day over and over again it is just so grating um and this just keeps going on and on. I mean, the, the, the people picking up people from the restaurant and them beeping horns for the people that they're waiting to pick up. And the, in the winter, the, the cars are running, so you get all the exhaust fumes that come right into our windows. Mm. Um, I don't think people understand how horrible this is for people who live here. I mean, this is not normal. There's a reason why this was not allowed. Mm -hmm. it, 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 it negates the quality of life for the people who live around these structures and and why has it why has the government chosen to support the welfare of the restaurants above the welfare of the people who live here i mean we work too issues like these are complex and they require a lot of compromise but in order to make those compromises folks need to listen really listen to each other. And amidst all the noise, Deborah felt like she was being ignored. When we published a story about outdoor dining on our website, Deborah left a comment sharing her own experience about living above a restaurant in New York City. So we reached out. We tried to listen as much as possible here at Epicenter from concerns about policies like these or confusion about New Yorkers ever-changing COVID procedures Whatever's the topic, we want to hear from you. So leave us a comment or send us an email. We've linked to a few ways to get in touch in our show notes. And if you're interested in supporting Dana or Alfredo, consider stopping by one of their restaurants, also linked to in our show notes. Finally, before we go, our weekly segment with our community manager focused on COVID-19 here in New York City. In the past week, several mask mandates in the city were lifted. For example, as of Monday, masking is no longer required in New York City public schools. However, there are still places in the city where you'll need your mask, one being public transportation. You still will need a mask to ride the subway, the bus, the train, the ferry, and in taxis or ride shares. You will also need a mask to enter Broadway theaters. While other venues may have opted to lift their mask mandates, Broadway theaters did not. In fact, Broadway League president Charlotte St. Martin recently announced that their COVID protocols, which include masking, will be in effect until April 30th. And depending on the city's case count, that date could get pushed back. Also on the must-mask list are places like healthcare facilities, nursing homes, correctional facilities, and homeless shelters. And finally, individual businesses can still choose to mandate masks. So, like we said last week, make sure you look for signs about masking policies before entering a shop or restaurant. And when in doubt, wear one. Keep in mind that now more than ever, COVID regulations are changing quickly. To stay up to date, make sure to subscribe to this podcast and the Epicenter NYC newsletter. And if you're still confused, let me know. My contact info is in our show notes. One last thing. We want to hear your take on the move to make masks optional in New York City public schools. So if you're a parent, student, teacher, or staff member, check out our survey linked in the show notes. We hope to hear from you. That's all for today. Thanks for tuning in. 
Make sure to subscribe to our newsletter at epicenter-nyc.com to stay in touch. Our intro music is All the Pretty Horses by Karavika. You can find more of their music on their website linked to in our podcast description.